Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 69. My guest today is Claire Fleming, and Claire is here to talk about her solo van life adventures with her dog, Oscar. Claire and I met on Instagram, and I mentioned that because we often talk about building community and making friends while traveling solo, and it's come out come up that reaching out to people on social media can be one way to do that. So Claire and I had a great connection and a great interview, and I welcome you to listen in. Well, hello, Claire. Hi. My guest today is Claire Fleming. Claire is a solo female van life traveler and also the author of the blog, Everywhere with Claire. Claire travels in her van with her sweet, cute golden retriever named Oscar. And we're just going to hear a little bit from Claire today about her story, how she got started, how she keeps herself going on the road and anything else she wants to share with us today. So welcome, Claire. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So Claire, why don't you start from kind of the beginning, like how you ended up traveling in a van? How did I end up in a van? So I think everyone's got so so many interesting stories about how they end up finding van life. I actually did not know about it until 2019, sometime in there. Um, Right before the pandemic in January of 2020, I was traveling in New Zealand and I met some friends there who had vans and they would just weekend warrior and go to amazing places and spend a couple of nights. And then I'd get all these pictures uh, and they'd send me on WhatsApp and they were beautiful. I mean, New Zealand is beautiful in general, but there was something about just being able to go stand up paddleboard at sunset or explore these different watering holes that were way off the beaten path. And I was really drawn to it. I think for a couple of reasons, I think the adventure aspect of it was something I was seeking and didn't really know at the time. Um, And then I came back to the U.S. and went back to my job and the pandemic hit. So any kind of plans for um, travel in general were kind of squandered. Uh, And it was like six months into the pandemic. I was visiting my parents up in New York and I went up there for what was supposed to be a week. And then at some point I ended up buying a van and just went from zero to 100 in the course of maybe three days. Wow. Uh, and I remember going to buy the van and thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. It's exciting and it's terrifying. And <laughs> I'm not even sure if I have the skill set to do this. But oh my God. I love that story. That is so unique. I haven't heard that one yet. Wow. So you bought this van in New York State. Was it already built out? Nope. It was an empty cargo van. uh, And I did the entire build by myself, which I remember thinking at the time it would take me three months on the long end. (laughs) And now I just laugh because it took me a year and a half. uh, And I don't know anybody who's been able to accomplish a build that quickly. So I don't know where I got the idea that I could do it. Yeah. They always take longer than you think. So tell us about your van. What is it? 
I have a 2020 Ford Transit high roof extended. I built it out so it's got all the bells and whistles, which is part of the problem. Uh, I think I overcommitted in that aspect also, but the shower and a toilet and a bed and the full wow. kitchen, the whole thing. And yeah. you put all that in yourself. Yes, with a lot of help from YouTube University. That's amazing. And it took you a year and a half. So were you staying yeah. at your parents' house this whole time or what were you doing? Yeah, so I live in North Carolina and I bought the van in New York and my parents have land up there. So it was just much easier during the warm months to be able to build and not have to be in like a parking lot like I would be down here. And uh, I'd go up there for a couple of weeks or a couple months at a time and build and spend a lot of quality time with my folks and then spend some time back here in Raleigh. And I was working full time also, but I had a remote position, so it didn't really matter where I was. And then during my non-working hours, I was working on the van. Very cool. So it took you a year and a half. So when did you finally hit the road? Uh last summer. So the summer of what would that be? 2022. Okay. So you hit the road last summer and were, so at this point, are you still working your same job? I'm not. I actually left that position at the end of 2021. I decided that I was going to take a year off and travel and figure out what other things I wanted to do as far as a career and profession and explore some options. And Ended up starting my own marketing business, which is exactly what I was doing in corporate. But now I kind of have a little bit more control over my hours and my my work that I take on. And <laughs> that's great. It sounds like you decided to take some time off to focus on your travel. Yes. Mm -hmm. And find yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So let's get behind the seat with you. Day one. You're leaving. Are you leaving from New York? Or are you leaving from North Carolina? I was leaving from North Carolina because originally when I bought the van in New York, I registered the title in North Carolina, which you can do remotely. Uh, so the van had North Carolina tags, even though it was in New York, it had never left the state. But because it took me so long to build it, I had to get it renewed. <laughs> so I had to get it inspected in North Carolina. So I was in North Carolina. That's where we ended up. I say we, Oscar and I. Uh, we left from, and there was a massive heat wave coming across the U.S. So we went straight north up into Canada. Mm. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. you went straight. So let, like, let's let me. I want to. I want to be with you in the driver's seat now. It's it's day one. You're in a heat wave. You've got your dog now. Okay, so it's very hot. Um, you're heading out. Like, what's going through your mind as you're leaving? Do you have a plan? Do you know exactly where you're going? Do you have places to stay already reserved? Uh, what's what's going on? Yeah, that first week was a lot of firsts, right? You're just being bombarded with like, how do I find places to sleep? And where should I get groceries? And everything is new because it's not a place you're familiar with. And then you have a dog also. Uh, and he actually did great. He settled right in. He's He gets in cars and he's fine with it, but he's never super excited about it. And he was kind of the same way with the van at first. And then he quickly was like, oh, this is like the adventure mobile and we go cool places and I get to spend a lot of time outside. And so now he loves when we get in the van because it's usually followed by something exciting happening. Um, but I remember thinking that I, I had for the first five nights figured out where I was going to stay. I was en route to Banff. That was like the one thing I oh, wanted to do that season. Nice. 
and because it was a heat wave, I was like, let's just go straight there and then come back into the U.S. versus what I originally had planned was going across the U.S. and then up north eventually. Uh, we just started north and worked our way back down. So I had the first couple of nights figured out. I actually stayed at a couple of harvest hosts. I felt like that was uh, more comfortable than just picking something off of iOverlander. So I kind of eased into it that way. I love um, harvest hosts. It's my favorite. Uh, me too. There was some cool like breweries that we were able to stay at and a lot of farms. I really, there was a horse farm in North Dakota. I stayed at, I ended up staying for multiple nights. It was just so nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you went straight, you got five nights reserved. So you started out five nights first on at Harvest Hosts as you're heading yes. North. Okay. And how yeah, many, and, I mean, how many miles are you driving a day at this point? Uh, I was driving anywhere between like six and eight hours a day. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I had gone up through New York into Canada and then crossed Canada back into Michigan and did like the UP mm. and then North Dakota and then up into Manitoba. And eventually we made it to Banff and it was just one of those moments. Do you ever have like a moment where you're driving and you're like, oh my God, this is everything I thought it was going to be. Like I've made it, like I feel so blessed uh, and you're just like driving what, west and you hit that point where the Rockies start coming up over the horizon and you're like, we're here. Like, <laughs> yeah. we finally made it after all of like the build and the driving. And this is the point where it all pays off and just kind of hits you. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of had one of those moments. I haven't often, but I had one of those moments this past summer when I was in Yellowstone. I was just blown away. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so was it, what was it like crossing the border with your dog? I was so worried about it. I had like all of his paperwork, everything I had ever received from the vet was in a folder. I had my car registration. I had like spent a lot of time online trying to figure out is like, is COVID still like a thing where you need to get a test in order to cross the border and whatever. Um, and I think at the time, so that would have been like summer of 2022, I just had to go online and let them know that I was planning to cross the border so that the paperwork was already in the system when I got to the border, but I didn't have to have a test. And I pulled up and I'm like very nervous. And I like have all of my paperwork in my lap, <laughs> uh -huh. the dog's vet files and my registration and my passport and anything else I think I thought I might need. And the guy just looks at me and he's like, where are you going? And I said, I'm literally driving through Canada to get to Michigan. I'll be out of the country in five hours. <laughs> he was like, all right, can I see your passport? He took my passport. He didn't want to see anything else. And he just sent me on my way. It was that easy. And it was okay. also that easy again when I crossed back up into Canada. Was it North Dakota? Somewhere, somewhere further west, I crossed back up into Canada. But when I came back down into the U.S., after I had been to Banff, I came down through Washington and that one was so nerve wracking because they didn't, no one ever cared about the dog. Like the first thing I said was I have a dog. No one wanted to see any of his vet records or anything. But this guy, when I was coming back into the US, he was like, what kind of produce do you have? And I was like, I don't know. Cause you have like a whole kitchen in your house now, yeah. right? So can anybody tell me exactly what produce is in their refrigerator right now I I didn't I wasn't prepared for it and so I was just stumbling through it and he's like do you have any tomatoes and I was like I don't think so nope <laughs> so that was it he had a lot of questions about produce okay did you just open up your fridge and show him what you had or what 
it never even got to that. It was just like a back and forth questioning. Do you have this? No. Do you have that? No. Cause I like literally could not come up with a list of what was in, I think I was just nervous, but yeah, it's nerve wracking across the border. I haven't done it yeah. in a van, but it's nerve wracking for sure. Okay. So you started out in July and you went up to Canada. You went to Banff. Sounds like you made it all the way to Washington state. Where else did you go? Uh, explored a lot of Oregon and which is where I live, then, by the way. Oh, it's beautiful. I loved it. I hit it, um, right around the time when the wildfires were starting to get kind of smoky. So I think I have to go back and I can really see more of it because the air quality was not great and the visibility was pretty low, but the coast was amazing. I loved yeah. the coast. I actually spent quite a bit of time on the coast because it was just so much more temperate. The temperatures were a lot easier especially having a dog. So did you stay in campgrounds at the coast? Where'd you find places to stay on the coast? Uh, there's a couple of places on I overlander. I picked up, honestly, it was a, like parking lots and things like that near the beach. I don't know. It was a lot of just wild camping that I found on I overlander. Okay. Very good. It can be hard to, it can be hard to find boondocking on the Oregon coast. That's why I asked. Yeah, I definitely had that experience. I was able to find places everywhere I wanted to go, but there wasn't like an abundance of options. Yeah. Okay. So you're not working on the road. So you're just kind of, you're having the time of your life. You're out exploring. You're not really worried about, you know, your internet or any of that kind of stuff. You're just out there really just having an adventure. That sounds amazing. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I did have some client work that I was working on, but I did not. I intentionally created it so it wouldn't be a full-time um, setup for me for the first summer. So that was really nice to have the flexibility to kind of figure out van life. Because honestly, every time you move location, you spend an hour trying to figure out where you're going, what route you're taking, where is there a rec center you can shower at, where's the grocery store. Yeah. So very time-consuming just to get acclimated, I think, with the process. Absolutely. I'm faster just, at it now. Yeah. At the start, you, know, you don't really know what you don't know. And it's just a slower process. And it's hard sometimes when you don't know where you're going to spend the night, is it going to feel safe or not? So you always have to have a couple of backups, that kind of thing. Definitely. So when you were traveling, did you meet any community out on the road? Yes. So, uh, there was a couple of campsites where there, you know, you'd park up and there'd be some other vans and you just kind of start chatting and get to know people. So I met several friends that way. And then Instagram has been another really great resource. Um, a lot of times you'll be connected with people, but you're not always in the same place, but when you are, it's great. And even that is a good expander too, because maybe I know one or two people who I can meet up with. Um, but then they know other people. So kind of easy to start making friends and connections through the van life community. Absolutely. Did you attend any gatherings? I did not. I do want to do that um, this coming year, though. It's on my list. I just wasn't in the right places uh, when the events were happening last year. So I'm going to be a little bit more intentional about scheduling around them. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about your travels. So you made it to Oregon, then what? Uh, then I went back up through Washington. I tried to do Mount Rainier again. It was just so smoky. So it's another place I'm going to have to go back to because I feel like I didn't get the full experience. Um, there's just so much to do. And then I spent quite a bit of time in Montana. I think Montana and Banff were, I'm a mountain girl, I think. Okay. And 
so a lot of time up near like Glacier and then near Bozeman um, for a couple, I don't know, probably more than a month. I think I was in Montana, which is such a long time in van life, right? Yeah. I love Montana as well. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think we like similar places. Sounds like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't have a heater installed in my van. I do now, but I didn't then. And it gets really cold in Montana kind of early on. It was probably like the beginning of October and it was a little bit too chilly to hang around for too much longer. So I headed South. Okay. And so now you're back um, in your home base yes, in North Carolina. And are you heading back out soon? I am. So my plan was to take the first trip out, take a couple months. Um, I have a condo here in Raleigh that I didn't decide to do anything with. I thought I'll try the van life thing. And if it's absolutely not what I thought it was going to be, at least I have somewhere to go back to. I haven't sold it or rented it or whatever. So I did that. And the plan was to come back here for the holidays and then to head out again in the spring. That is still the plan. Uh, it's a little bit delayed this year because one of my siblings is getting married in April. So I'm trying to hang around the East Coast so I can be here for that and then head back out and spend the summer kind of all over, everywhere, nice. everywhere. Yeah. All right. And so you travel with a dog a little cute. Well, he's not little, a very cute <laughs> golden retriever named Oscar. And yes. I, I know you have some advice and tips for people who travel with dogs. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's, he's great. And he brings such like a richness to life on the road. It's so much nicer to have a companion, right? There was a couple of things I considered when I was even doing the build itself, specifically with him in mind. For example, I have a RV like roof air conditioning unit on my van that pulls from my batteries. So I have that because if we're ever somewhere where it's really warm, I wanted the option to be able to turn it on. I don't really use it all that often because it does pull a ton of electricity and you can't make enough energy off of your solar panels to power your AC unit permanently. But, you know, before bed or something to cool down the van, we'll turn it on. I also went overboard with my insulation in the van and made sure that everything that could be insulated was insulated. And then I also upgraded and I used a lot of thin slit for most of the, for the build, which is a little bit more expensive, but I think it helps to regulate the temperature better. So if I do have to leave him for a little bit while I run to the grocery store, I can be sure that the temperature in the van is not changing drastically. And so I also have a max air fan in the roof and that I mostly use as an exhaust fan. So creating some kind of airflow, especially if the temperatures outside aren't super hot and, and I can keep the windows open and then just get a good airflow moving inside to help keep him comfortable. Yeah. So those things during the build, just making sure that they got built incorrectly so that they could be there to make him more comfortable. And then just as far as life on the road, I always carry extra water with me. My water, my freshwater tank is mounted underneath my van. And so I don't always have a good pulse on how low I'm getting. And I just want to make sure that I never get to a situation where I'm running the tank dry and then we're out boondocking somewhere and I can't get to a freshwater source. So I always have like a gallon or two in one of the cabinets just in case. Um, I have 
a DIY window covers also, which I'm slowly starting to upgrade. I think everyone who does their DIY window covers is like, it'd be nice to have <laughs> some of the professional ones, um, but they get the job done and I'm able to use them, especially in the heat. They just keep a lot of the outside temperature from getting inside through the windows. Um, and then the, there are also these, do you have one of the, they're the seeker fans, the 12 volt fans that run on a gimbal that you can mount to your wall. I have a, I definitely have a little USB fan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I bought one of those. And then I remember thinking at the time, like, this is a lot of money to pay for a fan. It's like a little bit over a hundred dollars and it's just a wall mounted fan. Um, but that thing throws so much air that it's almost like you don't need anything else, <laughs> anything mm. else in the van. I'm like, well, I paid a lot of money for a roof AC unit that I can just accomplish the same thing with this seeker fan. Anyway, that's one of my favorite things in the van. Um, so I always have that on and keep his, his water dish topped up and just make sure that we're parked in the shade. And the last thing I did, I have a security system in the van that will send alerts to my phone. So if I do leave him in the van to go to the grocery store, I have to run into the laundromat. I mean, it happens, right? Um, this security system will tell me, it'll send an alert to my phone if the temperature in the van is too high or too low, and those are ranges that I can set. And if there's you know, CO2 or smoke or unauthorized entry, all of the normal things that you would also get from um, a security system, plus then the temperature sensor. So, Wow, what's that? that? What is that called? Uh, it's the Simply Safe uh, system. Okay. And then because I am not at a, like a physical address, I actually have their unmonitored, um, what is it called? Like a subscription. So it's $9 a month. And instead of like dispatching people, because where, where would they go? I don't have a physical home address. It just sends the alerts to my phone, which is just as good. Cause I'm never more than, you know, a stone's throw away from the van anyway, even if he's in there by himself, I'm, I'm right next door, just shopping or right cleaning my clothes wow that's that sounds great that's about the same as i pay for my waggle but it sounds like it provides a lot more features so i might look into that yeah i really like it and the system itself is pretty reasonable to buy all the hardware in the base station and things like that yeah and do you need to ha be in cell coverage for that to work yes so i do have a hot spot which I leave in the van and I leave it on that way the simply safe can talk to it and then it can send me the alerts on my phone. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. My waggle runs off of cell cell service. So I don't need to have my hotspot on for that to be working. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, the place, like, what do you do when, like you said, you went to Glacier or the national parks where the dogs are are not really welcome. What's your strategy for that traveling with a dog? Yeah, I wish that national parks would be more dog friendly. I understand the the risk, but uh, usually it's either a quick hike when the weather is decent and I can leave him for an hour or I skip it and I don't do it. Um, there were a couple of times when I put him in like a doggy daycare problem with that is the national parks are usually pretty remote so it's logistically complicated to get your dog somewhere where there's a doggy daycare and then still get to your hike especially if you're trying to do a sunrise hike um, <laughs> so just making sure that he's never alone for too long he's always somewhere safe and I'm I'm close by and 
the other thing I've, I've noticed is a lot of parks, especially the very busy ones, like Zion is like this and Glacier is like this. Um, most of the trailheads you can't access during the season. You have to take a shuttle to them. So you're parking in a, a lot somewhere and then taking a shuttle to the trailhead. I absolutely refuse to do that. I don't want to be at the mercy of a shuttle schedule or a long line to get back to my vehicle in case something does happen. Um, so I'll either go during the off season, like I hit Glacier right after their shuttle season had closed. So the parking lots at the trailheads were actually opened again. And as long as you get there early enough, you can usually find a spot um, right next to the the start of the hike. So I try and do that when I can. Otherwise, if it's if it's a shuttle, I skip it and do it next time. Yeah, I understand. I know I don't travel with the dog anymore. Sadly, she passed away last year, but I planned so much of what I did around, like what my dog was going to enjoy. I don't know if you do the same thing. Yes. Yes. And where is their dog park? And is it, does it have good reviews? And all of those things. So yeah, it definitely adds a lot of complexity, but I think that overall it's worth it I mean I can't imagine not having a pet let alone Oscar who is like my my buddy it just seems like it'd be a little bit lonely to me to not have somebody else around yeah that's absolutely I travel now with a cat so I have a companion it's a little different than a dog but um it's definitely nice to have a companion when you're solo out there For sure. It really helps with the loneliness. And especially with a dog, it gets you out. It makes you walk at least three times a day and, um, and that kind of stuff. So definitely. And I feel like sometimes I forget what time it is or I'll get like super, you know, heads down into some work and it can be like nine o'clock and I forgot to eat dinner, but that never happens to me anymore because I have a built-in alarm clock now who nudges me and lets me know, at 430. Yeah. <laughs> that his stomach is empty. Yes. Oh, I love dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have any, any, I know you talked about the security system. Is there any other types of equipment that you found to be helpful by equipment? I mean, like it could be like specific kinds of leashes or tie outs or whatever. Yes. So I have the Kurgo, um, forget what they call it. It's like an all-in-one leash. It can be just a leash or like a lead. And um, I love it because for hiking, I can wear it actually as a crossbody. And so I can have both of my hands available and still have him leashed on me. So that one works really well. And then he also has a backpack, (laughs) (laughs) which seems crazy to some people. He loves when I pull the backpack out though, because it always means we're going on a hike. And usually like a longer hike because it's one of those ones that's got like the two saddlebags on either side. So I can put his own food and his own water into it um, because typically my pack's pretty full anyway. And then also the other nice thing is when we're on the trail, if he goes to the bathroom, that also goes into his pack. So I don't have to Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Um, But it's so funny the comments you get when you're on a trail and people see like the backpack. Uh, Most people think that he's carrying like my stuff. Like they'll comment and be like, oh, it's like a pack mule. I'm like, no, I'm carrying my own water. He's just carrying his. One guy once asked me if I had a full bar in there. I was like, <laughs> no, but that's a very interesting idea. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Yeah, backpack. I had a backpack on my dog when she was younger. 
she's a Malamute. So I think, you know, it's good to give them a job. They like having a job. Dogs like to know that they're pulling their own weight in some way. So I think a backpack is a great idea. And after we get off, I'll have you shoot me um, the names of those products so that we can link to them in case anybody wants to check them out. Cause I haven't yeah, heard definitely. of that, that particular leash that you mentioned. So um, very cool. Now, did you do any special training before you headed out with your dog to get him ready for van life? Uh, not in particular, but I will say that when Oscar, so Oscar is almost four and I started the van build. Uh, he must've been about a year and a half at that point. So we were still very much in like the thick of training. So in general, I had trained him specifically um, to have good recall and all of these sorts of things, not just because of van life, but I was still traveling a lot then, even like internationally. And I wanted to be able to, to have him stay places with people that he knew and wanted to look after him and not just pay to put him into a kennel somewhere. So for the most part, he does stay at my parents' place. If I'm out of town, I'll drive him up to New York. And he, like when I was in New Zealand for a month, he stayed there with them and he loved it and they have land. And so it's nice to know that when he's there, he's not really a burden to them because he's not running off and he doesn't need all this extra like attention. He doesn't need to be like tied up in the backyard. He can just kind of go out and do his thing and come back in if he wants to. So that was always really my intention was just getting it to the point where he was well enough behaved that he was welcomed to come with me anywhere that I went and that people in our circle like wanted to take care of him if I needed to be out of town for whatever reason. Yeah, that's great. And did you get him as a puppy? I did. He was yeah. nine weeks. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way to look at it. To, to train your dog so that other people will love him too. Exactly. And then he has so many more options too, right? Like if we can go places or friends who like don't really like dogs, but they like this dog. So when we're over at their house, he's allowed to come with, he doesn't have to stay home. I think it's the richer quality of life for him too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Anything else about traveling with a dog that you wanted to bring up that I didn't ask you? Well, maybe just to keep in mind that like there, some of the considerations you have to think about obviously are traveling with the weather, which can create more of a cost. If you can't just like ride it out somewhere, you do have to, to move around a little bit more. And I did even spend some money in August to get a hotel room for a couple of nights just because it was so warm. It just wasn't comfortable. Um, and there was nowhere to go. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes you can outrun it and sometimes it's just covering the entire country. So there is some additional expense, I think, to consider that you will have on an ongoing basis, not just during the build in order to keep your pet comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I actually last August, I ended up getting an Airbnb for a couple nights because it was going to be over a hundred and I couldn't be with my cat. So I ended up getting an Airbnb. So yeah, definitely can cost a little more for sure. And the other thing that I did when I went to Glacier with my cat was I end up getting a, a Rover. Do you know about Rover.com? Yes. Yeah. So I ended up just putting her in this nice lady's house for a week while I went and explored up in Glacier. So they didn't have to worry about her. And that was wonderful to just feel um, at, you know, 
at peace knowing that she was safe and okay. And yeah, yeah, that, definitely. That I could enjoy myself out there. Awesome. Claire, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? Oh, I don't think so. This was wonderful. And I thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And it's always fun to connect with other van lifers. Yeah. So if people want to follow along, where can they find you? Uh, my website is everywherewithclaire.com. And I'm on social. My Instagram handle is Claire underscore Fleming. And on TikTok, I'm everywhere with Claire. Sweet. All right. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, I would like to thank my guest, Claire. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, building out a van always takes longer than you think. Number two, Harvest Hosts can be a wonderful option that's free for solo travelers. Number three, when crossing the U.S. border, always be aware of what produce you have with you. Number four, once you start making friends and community, it becomes much easier to meet other people. They introduce you to their friends and so on. Number five, having a pet on the road can be a great way to break loneliness, but you also have to consider their needs. And number six, Claire uses Simply Safe system to monitor the safety of her van and to ensure that her dog is okay when she is away from her van. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.